Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to AM 1320 WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on AM 1320 as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Jim Dow of RevNet.com. And if you missed it last night, uh, excellent uh, game for the fans with a 5-4 loss for the Revs. Um, plenty of goals, but I, I don't think the Reds are going to be happy with the end result. Well, I think Steve Nichol is probably going to be uh, giving the, the iron stare to uh, pretty much everybody on the team. On the other hand, uh, I think, you know, I was just thinking about this on, on the way down. If you put Middlesbrough uniforms on one of the teams and put Charlton uniforms on the other team and put the game in the Dell or, or in the... Uh, not the Dell, but put the put the game in River Riverside Stadium. I think that uh, you know somebody who watched it on Fox Sports, uh, you know Fox Sports Net would just say, "Oh my God, what a game! What a game! What a game!" You know, it's just one of those things. It was a game full of mistakes. Um, it was a game full of uh, excitement. Um, and uh, you know, who would have thought if you walked out of the stadium last week where they scored three goals and said, "Okay, they're going to score four goals next week," that they'd lose? But they did. That's the way it goes. Well, with the best defense in the league. Uh, record-wise, I don't think anyone would expect the Revs to have five goals scored on them with how well the defense has been playing this season. So it was a little disappointing on that end mm. to see the, the defense finally really have a collapse this close to when it comes down to the stretch run and time to go in the playoffs to have a collapse like that. Uh, but uh, really, the game was on turf, which needs to be said, and the Revs haven't seemed to done, have done well in the turf in the past. So I think there's something that, that that's important about the Metro Stars specifically, um, they're the only team in the league that has uh, a central midfield that rivals the Revolution. And it's a different style, central midfield. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, if you would imagine the best passer in the NFL picking another team apart because they weren't getting a rush. Uh, Guevara and Jorkaev can put the ball on a dime pretty much anywhere up to 60 yards. A number of the Revolution players can do that, too, but they can't do it with the, the level of accuracy that those guys have. And for whatever reasons, they weren't pressured in the same way that they should be. I think part of it because they were playing on turf, and you can't rush a person on turf. If you make one mistake, it's a goal. So I think that uh, it, was a, it was a kind of unique set of circumstances. I don't think there's another team in the league that could do that uh, to the Revolution, and I rather suspect they can't do it on grass. Well, we'll find that out again next weekend when they face the Revs uh, here at home at Foxborough Stadium. So that should be an interesting game coming up. Uh, but the Revs do have another game coming up on Wednesday as well, so a short turnaround, and they have a chance to come back with a game against Columbus Crew, who are really basically out of the playoff run and are, are just a team looking to, to get some points for respect at this point. Well, you know, I think uh, the Eastern Division uh, is definitely the better division of the two, and uh, I, I don't know exactly what Columbus's record is at this point, but I certainly think they'd be making the playoffs if they were in the West. Um, they have a number of good players uh, for whatever reasons they haven't performed up to up to everybody's expectations, but the fact is that they're they're going to be playing for pride, and the pressure really is all on the Revolution now. Um, I think it's a foregone conclusion they're going to make the playoffs. 
But the fact is that we know that they failed in the semifinals two, two years in a row, uh, partially because they haven't had the home advantage. Uh, so they're really playing for that home advantage in the semifinals, and that, that really is the issue. Well, the interesting thing to note is that if the Revs were in the West, they would have already clinched the playoff spot a few weeks ago. And if the Metro Stars were in the West, they'd be in second place right now. So it, it, it really shows that uh, the conference, the difference between the conferences where in the past years, it, a lot of times you could say the, ref, the West was the stronger conference and the Eastern teams would look bad, such as 2002 when the Revs made it into the final. Uh, but this year it's really the opposite where the Western Conference is looking horrible since ever since Kansas City moved over here and the two expansion teams came into the West. It's really been a switch in, in power of the conferences, and this, this year the Eastern Conference is a lot tougher. Well, I was watching the last half of the, the Dallas uh, Salt Lake game this afternoon, and then I, I put on uh, the tape of the first, uh, first half of, of last night's game. There's no comparison in, in the, uh, the speed of the game and the quality of the touches. Uh, the East is, is far ahead, and, and certainly I, I actually haven't seen San Jose play for uh, pretty much the whole season, so I have no idea what, what they play like now. I'm, I'm told that they're, they're you know, sort of a lunch bucket team. But, again, we're going to see because San Jose is going to be in in, uh, in two weeks. Well, they kind of had a Revs-like comeback at, uh, in their last game last night where they were facing Chivas. I was watching that game I, as a Revs fan, hoping that Chivas could pull out a win, and it seemed like they might for a while there. And then San Jose scored, in, I believe, in the 83rd minute, and then scored another one deep into stoppage time to yeah. win that game. Uh, which, but they didn't look that solid against Chivas. I thought Chivas had several chances against them, and Chivas, the last-place team in the league, uh, really exposed their defense a few times. So that was something to watch for when it's come time for them to play the Revs. Well, Chivas, Chivas is a different team than they were uh you know, for the first half of the season, they're they're still not uh, a, a particularly good team by MLS standards, but they have much better much better cohesion and much better players. Bringing in the the three guys uh, from from Mexico uh, a month ago or three weeks ago, and also just having played together, um, there are uh, some pretty good players on Chivas, and and you know, I think within within a couple of years, they may they may actually prove to be the better expansion team than than Salt Lake. Although everybody thought that Salt Lake was going to be the better team. Yeah, Salt Lake coming into the season, when you look at the players they had, I certainly thought they were a team that would definitely be challenging for a playoff spot, especially in the West with uh, Chivas and team like Colorado who has, hasn't been too great this season uh, but they've really been a surprise they haven't done well at all and they're right down there with Chivas a little bit ahead of them but still not looking like a good team at all No and I think uh, I think one of the interesting things is, is going to be how um, Chivas and perhaps if, uh, if America come in um, the league in the next couple of years how they're going to uh, deal with the, the question of playing the, the U.S. style versus playing the, the Mexican style um, it was interesting talking uh, two weeks ago to Daniel Hernandez about that because he was he was saying that that he actually found it easier to play in Mexico than here because he was he was the hard man in the midfield and uh, players were in a, in a funny sense sort of bouncing off of him. Uh, I think it's 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 an interesting question of how you make the transition from being uh, you know uh, not so much a Latin American style team but specifically a Mexican Mexican league style which is very much where the, the, the crunch time is in the final third of the field. There's a lot of open space in the midfield, as opposed to MLS where, where the, play, the players move very, very fast and try to close, to, close each other down a lot and, and play very, very physically, really all over the park. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Chivas develops. And the other question is, coming into the season, there's all the talk about Chivas becoming a team that would only have uh, Mexican players and 
people of Hispanic heritage, and it seems like they've made a few exceptions to that, but I think that's another thing that hurt them at the beginning of the season when they came to the expansion draft and the uh, college draft where they went after maybe the players that who had the Hispanic backgrounds or the Hispanic last names instead of going after the best possible player available. Uh, and that's something that's definitely going to hurt you your first season just coming as an expansion team where you don't really have the established players, and I don't think that's something that, that they really should have done, and I think that's what's hurt them a lot. But now that they're getting guys like Palencia and uh, guys like that, I, I think that maybe that's something that will work for them down in the future, but just in the short term was not the best plan. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Vergara, the, the owner of Chivas and the owner of Chivas in, in Guadalajara and the owner of Saprisa, um, has this uh, sort of corporate... Um, policy that he only plays, uh, only employs national players. Uh, for instance, uh, Chivas uh, in Mexico has no foreign players. Saprisa in Costa Rica has no foreign players. And so I think he was trying to establish that same rubric here. But it, it just wouldn't work here, especially with the fact that, that you know, there are these single entity rules and, and you have to sign players through the central office. And, and so you don't have the freedom to, to spend and to buy uh, in the way that you would pretty much anywhere else in the world, and in the way that Vigera does uh, with his other two teams. Well, it doesn't quite translate. With Costa Rica, he went with a all-Costa Rican team, but now when he comes here, he decides to go with a all-Hispanic team, uh, where if he had gone by the rest of his logic, you thought maybe you'd go with an all-American team, which obviously I'm That's sure I'm sure you you wouldn't expect to see that out of a, a, a guy from Mexico with the Mexican national team and the rivalry there. But yeah. uh, going by how he's gone with the other two teams, it seems like he's taking a little different approach here. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, logically, I suppose that would dictate. But uh, it certainly didn't didn't happen that way. Well, a- anyways, with the Revs, uh, first place off at the end of the table of Chivas, even after the loss. Um, not in, not in first in the supporter shield in the overall table, but still first in the East. Uh, great position to clinch first place in the East. And still, with the game against San Jose coming up, they could still definitely win first place right. in the league. So right. that's still in their hands as well. So it's a great position to be in, whereas past years, uh, it's been a situation where they've had to win their last six or seven games. Uh, this season, they can afford to lose a few games. Obviously, in a fan's perspective, you don't want to see them lose the games, but it, it's something where the loss in the last night is not going to kill them. Well, I think somebody somebody mentioned a statistic that when they have all their players together, that is to say that all the, the guys who go off to various national team duty, there's something, even with the loss last night, there's something like 6-1 and one or 7-2, and two, some astounding record. Um, I think last night was, was an aberration, although I will say that uh, I bet that that video is going to go around to every single team that they're going to be playing. Because one of the things about a three uh, a three person back line is if you attack it, uh, you not only uh, have numbers up, but you actually force the midfielders uh, out of the the revolution midfielders out of their game, their possession game. When the Metro Stars uh, had the ball and when the field was open, the revolution midfielders were were having to scramble back, and you noticed sometimes that that three or four guys would be attacking Jorkaev to try to get the ball away from him. Uh, and they were actually fairly successful in that, but it took away from that gorgeous one-touch possession game that, uh, again, thinking of the four goals last night, two of those goals came out of incredibly beautiful movements by, by the Revolution, where there were sometimes a six or seven or eight touches leading up to the goal. As Greg Lawless said uh, a week ago, uh, I think I'm watching Arsenal. Uh, he should have said, I think I'm watching Arsenal from two years ago. Um, but 
yes, uh, in a somewhat limited scale. The Revolution now do have the one-touch game that uh, is just breathtaking to watch and really like Arsenal played uh, two years ago. Well, another sort of a change that we've seen without Jose Cancelo in the lineup, it seems like Joseph Moore was the furthest back central midfielder, Dempsey was in the middle, and then Cancelo was the furthest forward. Uh, we're now... Dempsey is the furthest forward, and they seem to have Hernandez being the furthest back, and Joseph Moore in the middle, and obviously it worked offensively where they have the two goals and one assist, but I'm not sure Hernandez is quite the same player Joseph is when it comes back there, and Joseph, who's really been the Revs MVP, I would argue, for this season, uh, I think they missed him back in that same spot, where, as well as you know, offensively, I think they really could have used him back there, and maybe in a game like that, where it's so speed up, they they need a guy like Cancelo who can slow the game down. Where as before, that's a knock on him. I think I think you, you've said it really just right. I think the issue the issue was that Jorkaev and Guevara uh, looked around and they saw that when Joseph comes up, uh oh, or for them, wahoo, <laughs> there's a space. And you look at the runs that those guys were making. Um, the camera work was 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 really quite good last night from uh, from New York. So you could really see these guys making these diagonal runs. They were going into spaces that the back three. I'm, I mean, there was really very little they could do. I don't. I actually don't think that the goals were that much the fault of the back three. I think the goals were the fact that the uh, the two great passers were not closed down uh, for 90 minutes. They were closed down for maybe 75 minutes. But in those other 15 minutes, they were just raining balls all over the place. And, um, you know, I do, I do worry a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a small league. Everybody knows each other. Um, if any of the teams that the Revolution are going to face uh, in the rest of the season in the playoffs have at least uh, something uh, close to the quality of passing ability from the center, they're going to try to exploit that, I think. Yeah, definitely. With the, uh, the other thing, though, about the Metro Stars is they're a team that's back line has been very suspect this season. Uh, even in that game, you saw several mistakes, even by a veteran Jeff Agus, who definitely seems to have lost a step that, yeah. at this point in their career. Uh, and they're a team that has has troubled the Revs despite that weakness and that cost them the game at, at Gillette last time was their defensive problems uh, but offensively they're definitely a team with a lot of firepower and can do a lot of damage and I don't think they're a team that the Revs would want to be matched up with if that's how it ended up in the playoffs I think offensively um, they're probably the most sophisticated team in the league next to the Revs and I think we saw a really wonderful demonstration of that last night you saw two very, very good offenses going at each other. There were, yes, a lot of scrambly goals. Matt Reese probably had his worst game of the season. But, you know, uh, if, if there was a very good shot of uh, the replay of the goal that Jorkaev scored. Couldn't see Jorkaev's eyes, but I bet he faked Matt Reese off the post. It reminded me completely of the goal that Moreno scored last year in the um, in the the semifinal, you know, the, the game that the Revs went went out on. Moreno was it wasn't as uh, Moreno's goal was not as an acute angle, but I bet there was a really nice eye fake that just sent Matt Reese one step wrong, and he couldn't get back. And I I question a little bit the the choice of who to, they put on the bench there, where they left off a guy like Cancela who's been a starter for most of the season. They left off Avery John who's done so well left back. And they put some of the less experienced guys, a guy like James Riley, who was doing good at the beginning, but hasn't shown as well recently. Uh, Ricardo Phillips, who has only played all of five minutes in MLS, and uh, Connell Smith, who we'll have on later, who's been doing well recently. Uh, but it, it was surprising to see them left off, and we're in a situation where Clint Dempsey has to be substituted and looked like he was hurt there. 
that they, I think they would have rather had a guy like Hansela in there to put in instead of a guy like Dorman where they completely changed their midfield where, where Dorman's more of a uh, not not quite the creative type as Cancela or Dempsey would be well there are two things here I think first of all they fielded a turf team um, I think that's that's what that's what we saw on the bench was um, some speed um, to uh, to burn the Metro Stars on the turf I think the expectation was and I'm just going from my own suppositions not from anything that I know I think the expectation was that they were going to be carrying a one goal lead or two goal lead you know, or maybe maybe one goal behind late in the game they were going to send some burners in and they were just going to eat up the Metro Stars back three that didn't happen but on the other hand um, I'm a huge Kensela fan I'm also a huge Hernandez fan uh, I think that they bring, uh, obviously, some different things to the table, but what they both bring is the ability to slow the game down. Hernandez, I think, gets a little bit of a bad rap um, from fans. They haven't really been watching him because he does slow the game down, and um, he, he's, he's not, he doesn't play the same style of game that Cancela does, of course, uh, and Pepe is, is just wonderful to watch Pepe make those little turns and hold possession and get the free kick and all that stuff. He's, he's masterful at that. But Hernandez does a little bit of that, too, and so I think in Nichols' mind, again, I'm going on supposition here, I think in Nichols' mind they're slightly interchangeable. Um, but the question is, as you pointed out, and I would agree with you, uh, the gamble now is if Joseph gets to go forward, how much are you giving up by Joseph going forward? Is that hole going to be exploited? And it could be, because behind Joseph is uh, Parkhurst, looking over towards Franchino, looking over towards Leonard. That's not that many people back there if, if, if your big horse goes forward and there's this hole. And the other question that I mentioned before was Avery John off the bench. It, uh, it seems like he was a guy who had done very well uh, in his time playing for the team, uh, but then he goes off with the national team. Francino steps in, he loses the starting spot. Everyone else, they go off with the national team, come back at their spot back. I think he can feel a little hard done by to lose yeah. a spot like that because I don't think he's done anything wrong to lose a spot at all. No, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't been to training for for a uh, week or so or ten days, and so, so I don't really know uh, what's going on. Uh, there, may, there may be some, some personality stuff here. I just have no idea. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, he went, he's been playing really well. He goes away. He comes back. Uh, he, doesn't get, he doesn't get on the field. And, uh, you know, I certainly think he should be on the field. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with more Revolution Recap and Revolution Forward, Connell Smith. Hi, this is Scott McPherson from the Sports Journal Live to tell you about my friends at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic. Whether you're involved in a sports injury like I was or involved in a motor vehicle accident, Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic will get you back on the road to recovery. The specialists at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset are the area's leaders in physical, occupational, and speech therapy and can help you get through the recovery process with first-rate attention and care. Clifton specializes in sprains and strains, hand and wrist splinting, stroke and neurological rehab, as well as post-surgical rehabilitation. For more information on Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, call 508-675-7589 or visit them on the web at cliftonhealthcare.com. That's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, your first stop 
on the road to recovery. Whether it's a major sports injury or that pain in your knee that's becoming more than just a pain in your knee, Coastal Orthopedics is with you every step of the way. The friendly doctors at Coastal Orthopedics will help get you back to a normal lifestyle. ACL rehabilitation, scoliosis, shoulder arthroscopy, knee ligament injuries, knee arthroscopy, rotator cuff injuries, to total knee replacement. Coastal Orthopedics has three convenient locations to serve you, two in Fall River and one in New Bedford. If you're an athlete with an injury, Coastal Orthopedics is your first choice for top quality care. And the doctors at Coastal Orthopedics understand you don't need to be an athlete to need the best in orthopedic care. So if you have an injury, think of Coastal Orthopedics, 235 Hanover Street and 1030 President Avenue in Fall River and 84 Grape Street in New Bedford, 508-646-9525. Coastal Orthopedics, with you every step of the way. In the market for a late model, one owner automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset, to the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years? Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the week. That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset, or check them out at www.matthewauto.com, or give them a call at 508-678-9033. That's 508-678-9033, and make sure to bring Oscar a doggy bone. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining me today in the studio, I have Jim Dow of RevNet.com. And over the phone now, we have Revolution forward, Kano Smith. Kano, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Fine. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Sorry? Thanks a lot for joining us today. Oh, no problem. No problem. And obviously the result last night, uh, not what the Revs would want, but um, the difference is in that game, you're playing on a, field, on a turf, which you haven't been used to playing on uh, as much for the team. And a team like the Metro Stars, who have uh, many offensive weapons, but maybe not the best defense, uh, what was it like playing against them, and what was the difference between playing on, playing on the turf and playing on regular field? Um, the turf, you really, you really don't notice it once you get going. I mean, it, obviously, it's a little bit harder on your feet and on your body after, you know, your, your feet hurt a little bit. But um, during the game, you know, the ball has got a pretty um, true bounce. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not that much difference playing-wise, but... Um, Playing against the Metro Stars, you know, they got some, some great offensive players playing on their team. So, I mean, it was a good game last night, I, I, I suppose, from um, a neutral spectator's point of view. I mean, not from our point of view, the Revs. You know, we ended up losing, but I, it was probably an exciting game. But, you know, it was, it was a good game to be a part of because it was all it was intense and, and the Metro Stars needed to win. So that's why, you know, they never gave up because they needed to win to stay alive in, um, in the playoff race. So, I mean... Yeah, it wasn't the best result, but we scored four goals on the road, so that, that's a positive for us, but we just need to tighten up tighten up defensively as a team altogether. And is it difficult coming off the bench into a game like that, that uh, the speed of play is so fast, and coming in and adjusting to that? Um, Coming on to a game is always difficult anyway, because you have to adjust, but um, I wouldn't say that game was any more difficult than any other. But it, it was fun to come in at that time, because, you know, we, we went up right after that, so... It was a fun game to come into, but it's just too bad we couldn't we couldn't hold on. 
Connor, this is Jim Dow. Uh, did uh, did Steve? How you doing? Did did uh, Stevie say to you? Uh, well, the last time you played on turf, you ran seventy yards with the ball and got a goal. Did he say go do it again? No, no, he didn't mention that. He didn't bring that up. Um, maybe he should have. Well, it was in my mind anyway. I was thinking. I was like, come on, you gotta do it again. But. Uh, no, it didn't happen. Well, I have to admit, I was I was sitting there watching, and I, I kept thinking, oh, he's going to go, he's going to do it, he's going <laughs> to do it, and uh, it didn't happen. But uh, there were a couple of times when it looked like you were like one touch away from uh, from getting loose. Yeah, I mean, it, it was difficult because um, they, the Metro Stars really worked hard defensively because every time you know I try to have a go at the right back, um, you know, the midfielder was coming and checking back and, and helping him with covering, so it was really hard for me to get isolated with the defender. So. One thing that seemed uh, seemed to me just observing your game over the last few weeks, I know we talked when I did an interview for with you uh, a couple months ago, but that uh, you're you're getting a lot more possession of the ball and 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 holding it and not getting knocked off the ball. Have you been really concentrating on on developing that that strength? Um, it was just you know it's difficult adjusting because in Bermuda you know I really wasn't used to playing like that I mean I'm a, I'm a big guy obviously but I've never really been a target man throughout my whole career so I'm you know always more comfortable with the ball at my feet and been able to go at defenders so I mean that's what Stevie and Paul want me to do I mean that's 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 what I've been working on but I wouldn't say I've really I mean I've always known I need to needed to do it but mm-hmm. you know I, I'm just been more concentrating on it more I guess that's probably why you've seen seen the results of it yeah, well, the results uh, are pretty evident. It, 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 I was, I was Im- very much impressed. Okay, thanks. Thank you. And when with uh, the team this year, obviously you've been asked to play a few different roles up top when guys like Pat Noonan or Taylor Twelman are out injured, uh, but also on the left wing. Is that hard making that switch? And what, posi- what position do you prefer to play? Um, it's not hard. I mean, either or. I really don't prefer to just to be playing. To be honest, this is what I prefer to be doing. It doesn't really matter where I'm playing, but um. You know, it's it's different roles, so it's um, I'm not sure which one I enjoy better. Playing up front, you know, I'm asked to hold the ball up more, but I also get more opportunities to score. But and taking them on one on one, so that's probably one of my strongest attributes and what I really like doing. So I mean, just give or take, you know, really what roles you're asking for. So. Connor, I was noticing last night, uh, Daniel Hernandez took a, a shot in the first half where it looked like he uh, sort of drove his ankle down into the turf. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I know that one of the, the principles of, of getting a good uh, sort of one-touch shot is to uh, to get your knee over the ball and really just drive down on it. Yeah. What's the difference in, in, in shooting on turf that way and shooting uh, on regular grass? Um, sometimes, you know, if you're shooting on, on regular grass, sometimes you can really get under the ball. But um, playing, playing on the turf, you don't do that, obviously, because there's <laughs> concrete underneath, so you really can't get underneath it. But, um, no, so that, that's probably the biggest difference. The grass, you can get under it a little bit and, and, you know, get more on it. Well, you know, the legend is that Jimmy Hoffa's buried under the, the turf down there <laughs> in, in oh, yeah. Giant Stadium, and I thought Daniel Hernandez's foot was going to join Jimmy Hoffa. That was, <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible sight. Yeah, yeah, you should have, probably should have been a yellow card for the turf, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and for for you coming into the league um, from the Bermuda Premier League, how was that switch? And did playing for the Bermuda national team against um, opponents like El Salvador make that any easier? Um, yeah, definitely playing you know international matches. Um, I only started playing for Bermuda about two years ago, so playing an international match, you definitely you know that definitely improves you because you're playing against better players all the time. And and when Bermuda, you can get you know 
pretty complacent because everybody's just it's just so laid back. I mean, we have a lot of we have a lot of good players in Bermuda, and probably a lot of players that can play in the MLS. But it's just you know making the adjustment from the the amateur environment to the professional is probably the biggest thing. So okay. I think I, I was ready to do that because this is what I'm always wanted to do. So I've just always had that determination in my mind that I wanted to make it at the professional level. And so did you look at that uh, match against the Revs back in the preseason as a kind of an opportunity for you to show your skills against a, a better team and maybe maybe have the chance to go play at a higher level with an MLS? You know, I think it was always in the back of my mind, but, you know, I, I've been to England and I've, you know, been all over, and you're always, okay, all right, this is this is my big chance, you know, and you probably putting so much pressure on myself when I was doing that. So when the refs came, it was funny. I really didn't, like, put that pressure on myself. I was like, well... If I play well, then it's fine, and maybe they might want to, you know, want to have a look at me. But I really didn't put that pressure on myself. So that's maybe why Stevie saw that, and probably I played so well that game because I didn't put that extra pressure on myself. It does. It does seem that that it's such a such an important thing for a player to play relaxed. Um, yeah. Do, and I know that that for instance, uh, in some of the some of the teams in Italy and stuff, they have team you know team psychiatrists. Yeah. Uh, who, who's the team psychiatrist for the Rev? <laughs> the team psychiatrist. Well, in other words, is, is there somebody? Is there somebody who puts? Yeah. Who goes around and tries to put everybody at ease and and let them play? Uh, you know, let you play within yourself. It's such an important, such an important part of soccer. Um, on our team, I guess, in the indirect way, you would have to think um, of Michael Parker because he, he never, you know, he he never <laughs> changes emotions. Whatever, whatever's going on, you know, Michael is just whatever's happening. Michael's just just calm, but um. I guess directly. I guess to say more, more Joey Francino. Joey sometimes he's not the, he's not a, a captain, you know, ranting and raving and, and screaming all the time. Like he's the type of guy that will, you know, put it to the side and just whisper something in your ear or say something to you walking down the tunnel and that was just easy. So it will probably probably be Joey that I have to say. Oh, that's great. That's a that's yeah. a fascinating answer because yeah. of course when 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 he was a younger player, uh, you know, yeah. all he'd be doing coming down to the tunnel is uh, you know yelling and screaming. So yeah. it, it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting transition and and yeah. and he has been in that way a very good captain. It's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can say all the all the all the, all the senior guys really the guys that've been in the league for a long time. You know, Shari does it sometimes. Taylor sometimes. Pat, you know, all those all those guys that have you know been around for a while. I guess. And changing the topic a little bit, um, the team Danny Town that you played for in Bermuda uh, recently announced that they'd be going on a trip to the U.S. and playing a couple MLS teams, uh, the Chivas USA Reserves and the Galaxy Reserves. Do you think that's something that's going to be great for the Bermuda League, and do you think that's a great opportunity for those players maybe to show that, that there are other players there too that could make an impact in MLS? Oh yeah, definitely. They went. Um, they, I don't think they did too. I think they lost um, ten nil to, to the Galaxy Reserves and, and four nil to um, Chivas Reserves, which is was all going to be difficult for them, you know, because they're playing against players that want to prove to the coach that they deserve to be playing, and they're just starting their um, preseason, you know. So not really making excuses for them, but it's always going to be difficult. But um, it's, it's definitely they can only benefit from them. Is that a dog they, in the background there? <laughs> Sorry? Is that your dog in the background? Yeah, I got a dog in the background here. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always going to be, you know, beneficial to him. It's never going to hurt. It's always beneficial to him. But, um, yeah, so it was, it, it, I think it went well for him. I think everybody enjoyed it, had a good time. So, But it's, it's definitely important, I think, for the MLS also, because like teams like the Revs and you know, teams on the East Coast that are, Playing cold environments, I think it's Bermuda's a perfect place for them to go and you know start the preseason up 
because mm-hmm. it's so close and it, mm-hmm. can, it can be cheap so and we've we'll got great facilities there for them to use so hopefully the rest will be going back next year I talked to um, Craig Tombark about him he seems to think that some will start so hopefully, hopefully oh that'd be back. great I, I, you know when the, when the league first started um, there really wasn't much attention played to Paid to to players uh, from from the Caribbean and Central America and Bermuda uh-huh. and so forth. Yeah. And it seems like that's really changed. That that many of the of the the really good young players that are coming through now are coming from from those parts of uh, those parts of the Americas. Do you think that that's an intentional thing on the on the part of the league, or is is just sort of happened and evolved? Um, I can say it's just probably you know the league's just just expanding because you know soccer is a, a global game you know it's played all over the world and you know, everybody understands the language so I think it's just the league's just you know growing and I mean obviously with all the resources they probably have when the league first started they probably couldn't you know reach out to all those areas all the time they might find one every once in a while but now you know teams are traveling and they build bases contacts in all these different countries so I think that's why you're starting to see the fruits of all that now. Well, I mean, certainly from my point of somebody who follows the, the league really closely, I, I would much rather see, you know, two or three hungry young guys from, from those countries than yeah. one overpaid, over-the-hill uh, European. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it yeah. just stands to reason. It's a, it's a better value. But I think yeah. it's also more competitive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, young guys are always going to have that fire to, to want to wanna succeed and, and get better. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely it's give or take, you know, what, what you want because... Last night you can see it was from Joe Jokaf. I think I thought he was pretty hungry last night, but ah. you know, the times the times I've seen him play, he hasn't looked that part. But last night he was obviously hungry, and he yeah. led left for the Metro Stars well last night. So. Yeah, he's 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 been though an exception, I think. Of, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a great player, and especially like you know talking to Gilberto about him and all that kind of stuff. He uh-huh. just seems to think that he's just such a a great guy and has a, such a great influence on the younger guys there. So I mean. Guys like that can only help benefit, you know, the younger players in America and uh, any younger players in the league. Did Matt did Matt Reese say anything about that last goal? Uh, besides, I'm sure things that we can't discuss on the radio. But uh, <laughs> did he have um, any observations about that? No, I mean, I think I could have done a lot better job of closing him down. But to be honest, with you, I really didn't expect him to shoot from there. Right? Who did? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Who did? And he I, put it right I, there. I, if it was anybody else, I would have said, you know, it's a cost. But he he was probably intentionally shooting. But um, you know, it was, it was in the box, so I didn't want to get too right. close to him, right. really to give him a chance to to fall right. or whatever to right. for a penalty. So I try to give him some space, but also be close enough. But you, uh, obviously, I wasn't. But no, me and Matt really haven't now. Do you haven't think talked about it because they left last night? It's the older guys. And oh, they had right, a right, game right. This morning. So. Do you think? Do you think he he made eye contact with Reese? Because it looked to me like he faked Reese off the post. Yeah, I mean, Reese, I think he was expecting the cross just like I was and everybody else in the stadium was expecting the cross because um, I think it was three guys heading to the back post, so he was probably worrying about those guys. Right. And uh, he's probably cheating cheating to the far post a little bit. And I don't know. I guess he must have looked up. He had to have looked up to see to see where the goal was, but he probably looked up and Matt probably thought he was looking up to cross it. Like yeah, he probably didn't yeah. So. Well, it was a heck of a play and a heck of an end to the game, but uh, yeah. you know, it was really, really interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. Must have been not much fun to play, but interesting. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's uh, the emotions up and down. It was, it was crazy. It's like I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> and, and were, were any of the emotions carried over into the reserve game this morning? Um, not really. The reserve game. The reserve game. It was it was a high quality reserve game this morning because both teams had a, had a lot of good players. We had you know players like um. 
Pepe playing today. We had Avery and those guys that are, you know, started majority of the games this season. And guys like Andy, who's played very well this season. And they, they had a couple of older veteran guys playing for them as well. So it was a, it was a real high-quality reserve game this morning. But, um... So we both really counted each other out, really, because it was it was no no. So yeah, it, we were just we were just remarking before before you came on that five four in the in the senior game and then nil nil in the reserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that on grass or on turf? The no, it was on turf, on turf as well. And for you, obviously, growing up in Bermuda, um, was was that something that you kind of that was kind of in your mind at MLS league growing up that that was something you probably wanted to do and that that was a league that. Would interest you and other Bermuda players to look to MLS maybe instead of looking to Europe first? Um, it definitely interests me. I mean, obviously because it's close to home and, and Boston's really like the the ideal ideal place for me to be in the MLS other than probably New York because it's so close to home and I can get a cheap flight to go home all the time. But um, I, I definitely could say I always wanted, especially going to school to uh, in um in England area. I went to prep school in Maine. Like the Revs are probably the most MLS team that I ever heard about, you know. So I always say I always wanted to play in the MLS, but it really, it really didn't matter to me where, where I played professionally. I just wanted to do because that's always what I wanted to do. But I'm glad I'm glad it's so close to home also. And but I definitely think more Bermudian players will, will, will look to get over. I mean, we have a good bunch of good bunch of young players playing in, in college in, in the states now. So hopefully, hopefully you see some more in the near future. And what went into your decision to decide to come up here and go to school? And I uh, go to Lee's McGray College. Well, I went I went to prep school. I mean, first of all, and then you know that's where I just I went to junior college for one year in Vermont at uh, Champlain College, and then a teammate of mine went to um, Lee's McGray College down in North Carolina, and I didn't want to go back to my junior college, so you know he just had a word with his coach, and then I just ended up at uh, Lee's McGray. So and that was uh, uh, Division three. Division two. Division, Division two. two. Do you, yeah. What do you think about the differences in the in the different divisions in in college soccer? It seems it seems like a, Division three has a lot of players who who end up being uh, potentially very good professional players, and that there isn't that great a gap. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, I don't think it's really. I mean, you have teams like you know North Carolina and Wake Forest and Indiana and all those big schools that are always perennial soccer powerhouses. They're, they're probably you know a lot better than the Division two and. Um, Division three schools, but sometimes you know these coaches at, at the smaller school find find good players also. You know these players that definitely could have played at at that level. You know I think myself I definitely could have played at at the D one level, but I just never really got there. I mean I, I think you know it's just it's hard because it's you know you can play one team one week and you could beat them eight nil, and then the next week it's it's two one. So it's all it's I think the level's pretty consistent, but um it just depends on you know. The big perennial powerhouses; those those teams are always going to be better than probably any schools in the country, no matter what level. So, but you also have Division Two and Division Three schools that are, that are very good and could give those schools a good game. So. And it doesn't necessarily translate that a good college soccer player makes a good pro, uh, no. or a, a soccer a star in in college uh, becomes a, a a good pro. There's often uh, there's often big changes, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, um. I think I had a pretty good college career. I scored, you know, 47 goals in um in three years. But yeah, I played against players at, at that time that probably was better than me at that time. But it's just, you know, it's all it's all about potential once you make it to the professional level in any sport. You know, because you can see that in any sport. You know, baseball and basketball. They're not they're not drafting on how good you are at the moment. They're drafting on on your potential as a player. So the potential is probably the biggest thing. You know. 
Did, how, how fast did you, you did you notice a difference in 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 not so much the the, the quality but the approach of coaching uh, through your through your career here now that you're playing professionally with uh, Nickel and Mariner and Vanoli as your coaches is, is there has there been a difference at sort of every level? Um, at, at the national level with Bermuda, we was getting a pretty high level coaching. Now we had um, coach by the name of uh, Kenny Thompson, and he's you know he's just a he's a he's a football guru. I mean, mm-hmm. every game that comes on, he um, <laughs> he tapes any Champions League, anything he tapes it, and he, it's just like it's, he's a very um, contemporary coach. I would say like he's just very into all the, all the new things, all the new technology, all about. So the game is moving forward with technology. So I, I would definitely. Think with him and now with um, Nickel and Mariner that um, the, the standard of coaching is it's definitely I would say it's more passed around. Like in college, you know, you just have one coach and he does everything. He drives the bus, he does the <laughs> coaching sessions, he does everything. But with with Nickel and, and, and Mariner and Vanoli, everything's you know spread out. So it's more like of, of a team of a team concept more than just just one guy doing everything. So and and I mentioned earlier on that uh, Danny Town went on the tour of. Uh, the U.S. playing Galaxy and Chivas, and uh-huh. the, the Revs went down and played Danny Town in their preseason, as well as the Bermuda national team and uh, Bermuda uh-huh. select team. And there was talk about uh, Bermuda, the Bermuda select um, Premier Division, uh, possibly playing in the Concacaf Champions Cup in the future. That they had spots available to them, but they just were opting not to use them. Do you think that's something that now they're looking forward to and uh, possibly going to be using in the future now that they're experimenting playing some teams um, throughout the North American region? Yeah, I think I think teams would definitely, you know, would, would take it the, the opportunity if they had. But I mean, as I said before, the, the environment in Bermuda is amateur, so I mean that that kind of thing costs a lot of money to to put a team in, in into that competition. So I mean, the, the, the only reason is probably funding why teams in Bermuda are not joining. It's not definitely for competitive reasons, you know. I think it's just because because of, because of the funding, because it's so hard to get to get sponsorship and things like that. So that's that's probably the only reason because of funding. I'm sure. I know Danny Town. We would have loved to have done it, but it's just it's just almost impossible the amount of money that we have to raise to, to get into this competition. Connor, I know I know you f- you follow international football, and and I, uh-huh. I'm just curious. You know, with the players on the Revs, uh, the DC United is is in the midst of uh, of playing a home and a home and home against uh, Catolica down in. Um, in Chile, and, and earlier this year they played Pumas uh, in uh-huh. the Confederation Cup. Uh, did, you know, if you guys if you guys do well this year, there's a chance that you might go, you know, end up in the Bombonera next year in uh, in Buenos Aires. Do <laughs> players ever talk about that? Um, you know what? We we don't really. I guess you know when the guys went to um, Real Madrid and played, you know, we had about four guys. And when you right. know we was all curious and asking them, you know, what is it like? You know, is is he done? You know, really that good? And you know, like. Like oh he's just amazing, but um, you know we really I guess we haven't talked about you know those things in the future, but I guess if it does happen, you know I'm, I'm sure all of us would be delighted, you know because I mean, all of us all of us are soccer fans, first, right? So that that would be you know dream come true to play in, play in that place and against Boca Juniors, that would be right. You know, can sketch that off the checklist somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say something that's heresy in in this town, but uh, you know, the Red Sox win the World Series. Well, okay, next year all they got to do is win the World Series again. The Patriots <laughs> win the NFL. Uh, next year they win the NFL. The fact is, if you guys win the league, you could very well end up playing in South America, playing in Europe, yeah. playing in some of the greatest greatest stadiums against the greatest teams in the world. And that, to me, is really exciting. Oh yeah, that's definitely exciting. I mean. Uh, as a as a young boy, you just you know dream of stuff like that. So I mean, 
that, that would just be amazing to do that, to, to play in places like that. And to play against great players all around the world, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the, the benefits of playing this game. It's just such a, such a worldly game where it's the NFL and, and, um, baseball and all that, you know, the, the buck really stops here in America as, you know, top competitive leagues, but outside of America, it's, it's often a, a lot better. Well, you and I are on the same page right there, now. yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah. And we talked about the coaching staff earlier and the differences. Uh, with a guy like Paul Marin, who was so experienced that in the Premier Division over in England, is, is he a guy that uh, really talked to you a lot about being a striker at, the high, at a high level? Oh yeah, he he um post post just it's just been great for the strikers. Like you know, what I mean, I mean, I'm sure he loves coaching all of us, but I think he just has you know a special place for the strikers because he he was one. So he's always got you know little points and 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 tips and drills and finishing drills for us. So I mean. I'm sure he just loves coaching the strikers, but to get advice from from somebody like that is priceless. Somebody who's who's done it at the top level, so you have no choice but but to listen if you want to get better. And having two great forwards in the team like Pat Noonan and Taylor Twelman, who've uh, been experienced nationally with the U.S. national team and have been leading scorers in this league, is it great to have two guys like that to learn from as well? Oh yeah, because they're just two totally different players, and they, and they complement each other so well. Like Taylor's just you know he's just a typical fox in the box like you give him any chance in the box nine times out of ten he's going to score but Patty's just he's one that who can create for himself and for others so that's, that's the, I think that's why they play well together because they're just two totally different players and, and you know obviously going to school together and being from the same place but you know you can learn from anybody you can learn from anybody so obviously watching those two who have been doing it for so long in this league can only help help me as well you know but you can you can learn something from everybody on the team you know everybody has something to bring if they didn't they wouldn't be wouldn't be at this level so well you know it's try right. to take little things from everybody on the team try to make myself better it's an interesting thing in terms of the development of this team this this was before you came along but you know when two years ago people were saying you know Twelman and Noonan can't play together they're a terrible one of them should be traded I mean <laughs> that, that, people were saying that all the time yeah. and in fact you know it's it's Nickel and Mariner and the development of the team as a whole and the coaching etc that has made those two guys so effective yeah. and now yeah. I think they probably are the best duo in the league uh, yeah I could, have, I could definitely agree with you there I mean they just telepathic the way they play together it's just like sometimes how did he know he was going to be there but you know just from playing together for so long I mean mm-hmm. I had to give it time just one year probably two years ago when people were saying all those things that you know they hadn't really played together for too long but now you can see exactly see the fruits of it exactly and, and on Wednesday uh, the Revs have the game against Columbus crew in Columbus is that a is that something that you're you're happy about that you have such a short turnaround between uh, the disappointing results against the Metro Stars and you have you have such a quick time to make it up and get a good result? Yeah, because I think I don't think the Metro Stars game, even though we lost 5-4, I don't think it was all negative. I mean, I, I thought we would concede five goals against this season. That's just, you know, one of those games that it happens. So, I mean, probably best to, you know, play again Wednesday and just get it out of our system and, and continue with the attacking play that we was, we was playing because I think, what was it? Um, Taylor's, Taylor's goal, the fourth goal, the, the build-up was just, yeah. you know, unbelievable. Oh, so, gorgeous. So, I mean, so, it was, you know, we can just keep keep that going and get that rolling again it's probably, it's probably best that we can get right back on it and see if we can do up some of that stuff again and will the team be looking for any kind of revenge coming up this weekend when they do have the results against the Metro Stars again at home and looking to defend their home turf <laughs> um, I guess that would be in the back of some of us minds but firstly we need to win the game just to clinch, clinch a playoff spot and you know win the East that's, that's our primary goal but it's definitely you know, winning that game, um, I wouldn't say the revenge, but you know that that would always be there. But um, 
you know, there's bigger and better reasons for beating the Metro Stars too. <laughs> with with, with the, the league being small, so that the teams in the division play each other four times, does does familiarity uh, breed contempt? I mean, you, you know, in most leagues in the world, you play the other team twice. Yeah. Um, does does that level of sort of familiarity with each other get a little get, lead to things getting a little more chippy? Um, you know, I expected I expected that when I thought, you know, God, like, we're going to play these guys like four times, but it's personnel. I find, I don't know if it's been like that before I came, but the personnel, especially of us, and now with the Metro Stars, you see like the personnel has been changing so much. Mm. So I mean, it's, it's always different players. It seems like you're always playing against somebody different. So I mean, I'm, I'm sure it can. What do you like to do in your spare time when you're not playing soccer? Um, <laughs> sleep. <laughs> like to catch up with my sleep. I like to nap, but um, like playing PlayStation also. You know, um, I'm in playing Madden right now. I'm not too good at it right now, but I, I like I like video games. Um, you know, but um, calling home, you just speaking to relatives because you know I don't really get to to see them all that much. But um, my mom just came up. She she was at the Metro Stars game, so. She was in New York, but um, you know, that's that's basically it. I I really don't do much. I'm not not too far. I don't like to go out and party all the time. Every once in a while. <laughs> and do you keep track of uh, your former teams like Danny Town? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I look at the look at that newspaper every day to see what's going on at home. But I also definitely like to keep up what's going on in the, in the European leagues. I definitely you know look at soccer net and Sky Sports all the time to see what's going on. All the gossip over the transfer news and all that kind of stuff so but I'm just watching soccer on TV too basically you know the Champions League I, I get excited every time I hear that Champions League anthem <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool yeah <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like walking out and, and actually playing to it <laughs> well thanks a lot for joining us today no problem thanks for having me thank you very and, much and good luck on Wednesday thanks alright take care that was uh, Revolution Ford Kano Smith uh, Smith came to the res this year and has Really done a great job in the backup role. Um, got off and got scored a goal in his first start. Um, then had a few games where maybe he didn't have a, didn't have that much predicted productivity score-wise. But uh, recently, I've had some great goals that are, are really goal of the week contenders, and a few that I was surprised did not win goal of the week. I think that I think it's it's very very hard to play striker anyway, and it certainly is very very hard to come into this league uh, as a as a young player uh, who hasn't been playing. Um, in in the league and just get used to the physicality and if you're six seven and your your you know your center of balance is is, is located in some place that, that those of us who aren't six seven aren't familiar with it it could be really really hard to adjust uh, I mean he was getting leveled at the you know in the first uh, month or two that he was up here but he seems to be much much more confident much better on the ball now in terms of protecting it and getting to make his moves and he certainly is a skillful player. Well, I think a great thing now is to have the reserve league games where a player can come in and at least get a feel, and, and those games where it doesn't maybe count as much at, for the standings, and maybe the level of play isn't quite as high, but it also gives them the chance to get up to that level of play first before they move up and get play the full senior-level team games. Yeah, that's so important. I'd be curious to, to know if other teams have had as an ef ef effective uh, results from having reserve teams as the Rev have. The Revs obviously have, because the players coming up, 
uh, have been able to slot into roles with the big team in ways that have been very, very helpful and productive. They may not have starred, but they certainly haven't hurt, and that's a huge difference to what we've had in the past in terms of reserves. And the reserve team this year has been really well in the reserve league standings as well. They're they're, they're the destiny of winning the first place in the Reserve League is in their hands. Uh, with the tie today, I believe they put them tied for first in the Reserve League for a couple other teams, but um, they've been doing really well there as well, and you have some great players who have shown well at the Reserves who maybe aren't getting time with the first team. A guy like uh, Conley Adosian, who's one of the top scorers in the Reserve League, has really proved himself down there. He's gotten a few opportunities with the first team, but maybe not as many as he deserves from how he's done because of how well the first team's been doing. I remember in the first couple of years of the league where... where uh Occasionally, players were parked with uh, A-League teams um, to develop, and it, 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 it never seemed to really work out. This seems to be a much, much better way to do it, and there's a continuity. They're playing the same system that they play on the Revolution, on the, on the senior team. So I think it's a great thing, and it's a great move in MLS, and I think it's obviously cost money. And, uh, you know, I think it's something to uh, to compliment the league and the ownership for, for spending that extra money. You know, everybody rags on MLS for being cheap. Uh, but the fact is, in certain things, they're not that cheap. They they actually put, the, put their money where their mouth is. And I think the Reserve League is, is one of those things. And that also gives an opportunity where maybe there's only 12, I believe there's 12 Reserve League games per year. But uh, with the full larger roster, it gives an opportunity to play some games against maybe local colleges where saw a few weeks ago they had a game against UMass. Uh, and not necessarily play all their first-team players uh, and risk risking them lost injury. Right. Well, you know, there is this there is this question that when you play teams that you are really markedly better than, that that disparity of of, of ability can lead to injuries. Uh, not not like the old Stoichkov thing where he kicked the college kid and broke his leg, but more like just players who can't catch up with other players. And and so it is very important at this level that they play teams that they aren't necessarily going to beat the, beat them, but teams that can play at that intensity and at that pace and not, you know, lash out and do wild stuff. So I think, again, the Reserve League is a really, really good way to uh, to make sure that that happens and make sure that sort of the horse flesh is protected. And they provide a great opportunity for the fans, too, to go see those games where you get to sit right on the sidelines and, and hear everything they're yelling at and notice parts of the game that you wouldn't notice right. in the stands. I know I went to the one, um, the last home game, and that was a very exciting game. The quality of play wasn't much far down at all from the first team games, and it's free to go to, and it's a great opportunity for fans to go to as well. Somebody told me they even hand out free coffee. Is that true? Uh, I haven't seen that <laughs> yet, but uh, it, it, they are a great game to go to. There's one. There's just one more left home game this um, coming up this Sunday, actually, and uh, that should be a great game. So home and home Metro again Stars. with the Metro Stars. Yeah, exactly with wow. the reserve team as well. Wow, I didn't realize that. I thought that I thought it was, that was the last one. And the, the Metro Stars reserve team is another team that, where they're kind of challenging each other for the title in that league as well. So uh, the, the, it's great. Obviously, the reserve league title isn't the most coveted thing in MLS, but it, it would be nice to see the Reds win both the first, yep. the, both the uh, MLS Cup and the reserve league, and which how much depth they have. Yep. Well, of course, it'll be very curious to see if this uh, guy Tony Lockhead uh, runs out with the reserves. I don't know if he played yesterday. Uh, I mean, he's signed, I guess, and he's here. Um, so if he'll if he'll get any get any minutes uh, during the remainder of the season. Yeah, I would definitely expect him to see some time with the reserve games. That's another opportunity to see some of these players that aren't seeing the time with the first team and uh, maybe future players for the team and see how they're developing and guys like that. I do think there's one thing that, that you know all of us who follow the team should be aware of, and that is that the clock is ticking, and you know 
we may not see Shalry Joseph after this season. Uh, we may not see Clint Dempsey in a couple of years. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they uh, try to, to handle this, this changeover. I mean, I would hope those guys sign lifetime contracts here, but probably not. So how, how, is, this, how is the team going to, to, to deal with the, uh, with the changeovers? And we got to wrap things up here, but uh, before we go, could you tell us a little about what fans can get out of uh, RevNet.com and, and what that site provides to the fans? Well, we're we're kind of a, an, an alternative to to the mainstream press. Um, you know, we have very good press coverage in this town uh, for MLS uh, more more than pretty much any other any other town. But we try to write stuff that that's uh, that's a little more lengthy. You know, stuff that's a little more in depth because we don't have the limitation of, of newspaper space. So do interviews that, uh, that that take a while and talk about talk about stuff in depth and and maybe make some speculations that. Uh, some of the mainstream writers, I'm sure, I know from talking to them, have uh, too, but just don't have this, this, the place, uh, the space to deal with it. And uh, before we go, the Revs' upcoming game is against Columbus Crew uh, away on Wednesday, and that game is at 7.30 p.m. against the Fox Sports New England. And then they have a home game on Saturday, June 25th, against the Metro Stars again, which should be an interesting game after last night's game. So that would be a great game to go to. And uh, we've got to wrap things up here. Um, the show can be heard every Sunday, 7 8 p.m. Uh, at AM 1320, as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. And you can get archives at revolutionrecap.com. And I'd like to thank Jim Dow for joining me today in the studio. And uh, make sure you check out revsnet.com. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Beautiful.